month long, we've been talking about and looking at the Christmas story. And for fun, we've been using the novelty of Christmas movies. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly ones, the ones that they seem to churn out, you know, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And there's new movies all the time. And we've been looking at their plots and how those plots often can be like a cultural map for us or an indicator of how humanity, uh, at least in Western civilization, the Western cultures, um, how we interpret things and work through problems. And we see some key plots, plot lines or drivers that, that affect us as a, as a culture. And we see it in, in our movies, and in, in, in particularly in this season, in our Christmas movies, we see those, those plots of humanity uh, pushing through. And so for our first week, we looked at the driver of fear. And how with King Herod, fear drove him to do what he did. And how when fear drives us, it can lead us uh, into places that we, we never intended to go. And how we have to let fear of the world and fear of the things of this world drop to the wayside and only hold on to the fear of the Lord that drives out all other fears because it really is uh, a love that we're looking at. And then last week, we looked at beholding. We looked at what gets our attention. What do we focus on? What do we think about? And how when we have our focus and our attention geared towards certain things, that drives our behavior, doesn't it? For instance, when we look at how we respond to, again, another surge within our, our pandemic, if we allow ourselves to be solely focused on what's going on with that, it starts to drive our behavior. And if we notice, our behavior usually isn't positive. We may not be, uh, we not, may not be really um, negative out in public, but it, inside there's a lack of positivity, a lack of grace. There's a lack of a lot of things that, that we would normally have uh, in this season. But when we focus solely on something that does, it does need our attention and is serious, but when we solely focus on it, it does drive our behavior. And to finish this kind of three-week series that we've been looking at, this week, our plot point is this. It's our actions and behaviors. How we go from uh, looking at drivers like fear to what we're paying attention to and now how that drives our behavior. Because in, like I said, all these movies that we've been looking at, there's a moment uh, in every one of these movies where the characters that we are meant to empathize with, they have their epiphany moment or their, their come to reality moment where the error of their ways or their course is corrected and they choose to act differently than they have in the past. They make better choices or live a better story. Now, obviously, one of the most famous ones of, of this line would be A Christmas Carol, where they've seen the, the, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And decide to live a totally different way based off of the trajectory they saw through those three guides. And it's in that moment of clarity that the fog of life begins to lift and you see what's really happening. The cascade that they created, uh, or not cascade, the, the facade that they have they've created has broken. The crisis is there and the escape or answer or alternate reality is now ready for them to grab hold of because they are beholding a new vision for their life. And now their choice is to harness that, harness those efforts to act on them and do something different to achieve those goals. And like I said, with 
the Christmas carol, it's like uh, a Scrooge becoming generous again and, and giving away with uh, the excess of wealth that he had in, all, in those moments. We see those in the movies. Poet Mary Oliver said once, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. And as we read Luke 2, something might catch our attention, specifically when we get to verse 14. So let's pray, and then we'll start reading together. God, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are in this season. We thank you that in the midst of everything going on, whether it's uh, our desire to meet with family and the tensions around that, whether it's the hustle and bustle of life, um, whether it's trying to find gifts for people and realizing that uh, they can't be delivered in time or the stores don't have what we want on the shelves or Whatever's going on in our lives, sickness, illness, other tensions, God, through it all, I pray that you would just, uh, you would ring clear for us today in this season, that we would behold you, and that God, as we, we look again at your story today, uh, again, it would just, it would help lift that fog or clear away that snow, whatever metaphor works for us today, to allow you and who you are to be real again for us today and be real enough for us to be able to change our actions, to behold you, to worship you, and to see you alive and active in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's read in Luke chapter 2. We'll read verses 8 to 14 here. And it says this, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, or as we talked about last week, behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Another translation of verse 14 says it this way, maybe more familiar to us in a traditional way. Glory to God in the highest and on, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, that's a song that the angels were singing there in that moment. One angel came and gave a message, and then all of a sudden the choir showed up and started to sing along with it. And you can choose whatever type of song you want to have playing in the background there, whether that's a, a nice gospel choir or uh, a regal um, you know, choir, whatever you want to hear in that background. But this is a song that is playing. The first half of that song is something I think that we often have no trouble with. Glory to God in the highest. We have no problem with that. This season, it's great. It's the second part, the goodwill towards others, that we find a little challenging. That goodwill, wanting to sing that towards others. In this season, 
the gestures, the grimaces, the gripes that we harbor when we're cut off in traffic or when somebody uh, or someone we know is unjustly treated or someone's behaviors or actions annoy us. We judge others based off of our expectations of their morality or ethics. We hold on to hurt from people in the past, filtering feelings through the pain. We often have trouble with that second part, good will towards men, towards others. The other day I was in a grocery store, and there was a person walking through, and they were, uh, for whatever reason, I have no idea what their, what their situation was, but they were walking through the store maskless. But they were followed by another person who was just on them and on them and on them about why they were doing what they're doing. And, and it wasn't an employee. It was just another shopper who was harassing them. And the person who was trying to do their shopping was just like, thank you for, thank you for your concern. Thank you for your concern. And I don't, I'm not getting into the middle of it as far as who was right or wrong in that scenario other than the goodwill towards others is something that's hard for us to live with in those moments. It's hard for us to figure out in the tension of what does this look like. And if we're honest with, our, with ourselves, that side of it, that goodwill towards others is often hard for us to pull up. We don't mind going glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. But when it has to turn into goodwill, it's a challenge. And maybe that's why the writers of the song, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him, only use the first part of this verse, knowing that it would be hard for people to sing about that goodwill to others who took their seat at the Christmas Eve service or at St. Hubert. Can we sing that song with the angels, the whole line? Can we do that? James a writer in the New Testament and one of Jesus' brothers would describe Jesus this way. In James 1.17, he said, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. God is worthy of glory. He's worthy of glory because his actions flow from his being. And they do not change like shifting shadows. They do not change like the wind moving in one direction to the other because they are perfect. Our chosen actions, they flow from our character as well, which is always being formed. Some days we can do great with it. Other days it can be more challenging. So the truth of the story is this. Our hearts can become out of tune with that song from heaven. Do we wish good for all people? Well, we certainly wish good for good people, for our people. Not all people. Do our actions lean into making peace on earth? Sometimes maybe our actions don't always seek that peace. Sometimes, in our selfishness, we create the chaos. Is God always our highest and ultimate affection? Sometimes I think our 
thoughts and our feelings can often place others or things higher than God. And like I said, like when we talked about it last week, what we behold takes a hold of our hearts. And that leads us to how we act. So when we look at changing our actions, it isn't a matter of just saying, I'm just going to do something different. I'm just going to behave differently. I'm not going to do those actions anymore. It isn't as simple as that. It's not, a, it's not as simple as just stopping actions or behaviors. It's learning to behold something different, something else, so those actions from the inside out start changing. In his book, Renovation of the Heart, uh, theologian Dallas Willard says this, As we first turned away from God in our hearts, so it is in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. So when we're talking about the Christmas story, and we're looking at this, and we're, we're trying to figure out how do, we, how do we move our way through this and understand it, it can be challenging because, again, like I said, that this Christmas story starts to feel like any of the other Christmas movies out there. It feels more fable than fact, that it, that it fails in some of the same categories as, say, the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy or Jack Frost or... I'm not sure how young anybody is in the audience. S-A-N-T-A. But this story is about real people. It's about a real Mary and a real Joseph, a real Herod, and yes, a real Jesus. In 2012, a leading atheist named Bart Ehrman, he said this, The reality is that whatever else you may think about Jesus, he certainly did exist. This view is held by virtually every expert on the planet. Rather than it being naive to believe that Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago, it's actually naive not to. Let's understand that this is a leading atheist who's saying this. Jesus was real. He actually did walk on earth. There should be no question about that. There is proof for a historical Jesus. Yet even when one concedes the fact that Jesus was a real historical figure, one can always respond by saying that, yes, yes, he existed, but all the miraculous stuff, all that extra stuff, that's all made up. It's like the movies that are based on real life where all this extra stuff gets thrown into the movie. And if you ask the original person who the movie was based off, they're like, eh. Uh, half that really didn't happen. That was just put in for the movie for, you know, dramatization. There's not, it's not really like Jesus was born from the son of God, as the son of God. He was born to a mom who was pregnated by a deity. That's, that's not reality. He may, there may have been a man named Jesus who lived at that time and had some of those circumstances happen to him as far as like, uh, you know, his death and whatever, but... It wasn't, it wasn't miraculous, and it wasn't a deity. Yet, I'd cause us to, or ask us to think of it this way when it comes to such a miraculous conception. Glenn Scrivener, he said it this way, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. 
Atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. Everyone believes in a miracle. Just choose your miracle. Both are miraculous conception, either all of reality or the birth of Jesus. So don't miss this. The New Testament is a story based on events in history. It's not a mystery. It's not a myth. It's reality. This unique story can fill us with faith, hope, and love. That God is good, and what God creates is good. He calls it very good. This includes humanity. It includes you and I, created in his image. Then one day, the devil approaches humanity with an idea, a lie, a spirit that creates unreality, creates a fake version of what God had created. And it's the same lie then as today, that if you seize autonomy from God and redefine good and evil based on your own thoughts and feelings, rather than by trusting God, you'll be better off. And isn't that usually what we do? We look at the circumstances around us, and we think that here's the way that God would have us look at it. And then we say, but this is the lens I'm seeing it through. And I want to trust this lens versus the lens that God is looking at this through. I want to trust my view of reality. As limited and as finite as I am, I believe that my idea of what's going on in reality is better than God's idea of reality. And anytime we switch God's idea of reality for ours, we're believing that lie. So reading this story, when we look at this, when we look at Christmas stories, they're all the same. Do better, be better, be more nice, be nicer than last year. If you were naughty last year, be nice this year. But this isn't the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture, the story of our Bible is this. It's set against the darkness of the time. It's set against the worst news possible that I'm broken, that you're broken, that our world is broken and it's lost. Humanity needs to be rescued. Creation needs to be rescued. Not just the naughty, but even those who think they're nice. But Jesus is the light and he shines against this darkness. In John 1, 4 and 5, we read this, in him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Nothing can overcome who Jesus is. Reading this story in Luke 2, it's striking how the shepherds, they're real people. They were there. They were in the, 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 off in the fields. They were there, but we have no idea who they are. We have no names to describe them. We have no background, no history, no Facebook statuses to check on and see who they really are. We have nothing. But this is a powerful part of the story as well. You wonder why. Well, here it is. Jesus is good news. And he brings good news of goodwill towards all people. Seen 
by everyone or no one. Today, whether you feel like your situation, your reality is seen by others, know that it is seen by God. If you think that you're loved today by others, and you, or maybe you don't feel loved by others, know that God loves you today. If you don't think that your scenario has a happy ending or has resolution or that anybody is standing with you and advocating on your behalf, that there's nobody there crying out for justice for you, if that's what you think today, know today that you have the greatest advocate for you. God is with you. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you feel seen or known or loved today. I don't know if your actions or the actions of another have caused you to believe that you are less than or never quite enough or ignored. But I know that at Christmas, love came down. Jesus sees, knows, and loves you today and every day. He loves you enough to live on earth, to give his life for all of us. So when it comes to this action that I was talking about at the beginning, when it comes to how we act towards God and others and even ourselves, when we want to change how we act, we do this. We start by receiving the good news. Receive the news today that you are favored by God. You are favored by God. Not because of what you do, not because of what you've done or what you could do, but because of who he is. And he is good all the time. And he can be trusted absolutely. Fear as a driver in us. It uses true circumstances. It uses that what actually does happen in our lives to lead us to untrue conclusions. We see the, the brokenness in the world around us and how it affects us, and it, it causes us in a lie to say, and this is the end result, your demise. And what we behold, we give the authority to grab a hold of our hearts. Today, if you wish to change your actions... Invite the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. He will do so, but it won't be through a list of do's and don'ts. If you say, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus, he's not going to come out with a list of say, okay, well, I need you to stop this, start this, do this, don't do that, you know, and then you'll be more like Jesus. He's not going to give you that list. He's going to transform your mind which will then lead to you choosing actions that reflect his nature. By the renewing of your mind in him, that is how the nature of Christ will come out in your actions. And when you do this, you will be more like Jesus. Those around you will be given the gift of God's grace in you and moving through you. And that is when the song that the world most desperately needs to hear can be sung again through his church. 
glory to God in the highest and goodwill to men on earth. Today, we can pause and we can reflect that God announces his good news for all. One, he invites all to receive life in him, not to earn it, not to pay off the debt that we would owe. We are loved just the way we are. Two, he loves us so much that while we were far from perfect, he covers us. And as we approach him, he transforms us from the inside out, from our thoughts to our actions. And as we behold him, we respond in worship, giving him glory and acting to bring peace and goodwill to all. Wherever you are this morning, whatever you've gone through, are going through, or see down the road in front of you that still yet needs to be dealt with, know that God is with you. And if you keep your eyes on him, he will transform your actions to allow his grace to be lived through you. Will everything work out the way you wish it would? Probably not. But that's where we trust that God's ways are higher than our ways and that what he wants to lead us through will be for his benefit, our benefit, and bring him glory in the end. Today, let us close in prayer before uh, the worship team comes back just to have a song for us to uh, listen to as we reflect on uh, beholding Christ and allowing him to transform us. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are unchanging, that your love for us is so great. When you created the earth and everything in it, it was good, and we were considered very good. And your love for us, even when we believed a lie and we chose to go our own way apart from you, your love was so great and so consistent that you still pursued us looking to restore that relationship with us. And God, I just pray that today, wherever we are at, whatever we're going through, when we may find it easy to come into church and say, glory to God in the highest, but then when we turn our gaze a little bit down and look at people around us, it's hard for us to wish goodwill, pray goodwill, do goodwill towards others. Those who are trying to harm us, those who are trying to hold us back or do whatever, God, it's, it's, it becomes a challenge. And so may our eyes stay fixed on you to allow our actions in our lives to reflect what we are beholding and that our actions, they won't be like a Christmas movie where we just try to do better or be better, but we allow our, our lives to be transformed by you to allow you to live through us and your grace to live through us. So we thank you, God. And God, if there's anyone here today who's yet to decide to give you that full control of their lives, who's yet to say, God, I desperately need to behold you, to look at you, and to allow you to transform me from the inside out, because my actions on their own keep falling short. God, if there's anyone here today in service or online who needs to, to make that declaration, God, we stand with them and we pray that. God, forgive us our sins. Come and wash us clean. 
transform our minds, transform who we are by your spirit, by your sacrifice for us, God. May we be adopted into your family and be changed and identified with you from this day forward. So God, we do, we behold you today. We say glory to God in the highest and in faith, goodwill towards all men. Amen. Amen.